Welcome to Real Testaments. The messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you. So this morning, I will continue on the series, The Kingdom of God. And today, I will be talking on the philosophy of the kingdom, part two. It's part two because I didn't finish last week. Philosophy of the kingdom, part two. And so after today, we'll take a break and then continue some other time in the year. Well, have you been blessed so far? Uh, Like I said, if you have anything uh, within your mind that you want to share as a result of this series, you can always, um, I think before the end of the service, the multimedia will display a number that you can send your comments and your questions to, so we can deal with them. Like I said last week, feedback is part of life, it's part of messages. So if you have any feedback, I will be very happy to accept it and entertain them. Hallelujah. Let's look at our fundamental scripture as far as this philosophy of the kingdom is concerned. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'll read from the Bible hub. I want to read two or three different translations so that you can have this in perspective. We can put this in proper perspective. New International Version says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, or as Christ Jesus. I take that again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, I'm reading from the NIV, New International Version. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So, Jesus had a mindset. He had a mindset. And um, if you read it from the New Living Translation, NLT, it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude. So here he's talking about attitude. So what it means is that your mindset ultimately cascades into your attitude. All right? I want to read it from contemporary version. This version is very interesting. Anytime I'm studying and I go to look at the context in which this version is talking from, it's always very interesting. It says, and think the same way that Christ Jesus taught. So Jesus had a a pattern of thinking. And I did mention to you that philosophy is a pattern or a system of thinking. It's a system of thinking where you have your belief system. Okay? You see, there are two things that can happen. Okay, one thing can happen to two different people. But you find out that they behave or react differently. The reason they behave or react differently is because they both have different belief systems. They both have different philosophies, okay? So why someone will behave in a certain way because of what has happened, some other person will behave in another way. i give you an example. In leadership, some persons feel that they are not capable enough 
to hold positional leadership. We know that the greatest form of leadership as postulated by real uh, you know, people who are proven to be very good in leadership development and leadership talk. Even using the life of Jesus as a, a model, the greatest form of leadership is not positional leadership. It's actually leadership by influence, okay? Leadership by influence. You can influence in diverse ways, in diverse manner, especially your lifestyle, okay? And so someone is made to head a particular position, and the person feels, oh, I'm not qualified enough. I am not qualified enough. I don't have the requisites, the required experience and capacity, competence to handle this type of position. And so you know what will happen? Two people now having the same problem. Why one will dwindle and run away and say, ah, this position is killing me. Let me pull away. I cannot handle it. And so the person may even, you know, regress into depression because the situation is killing him or killing her, as it were, because he or she feels that this position, I cannot do it. Why some other person will see that position as a challenge, will see the position as a bedrock to go to the next level? And a lot of us have grown in that, in that level. I started handling, for example, with all due respect, I started handling leadership positions in my teens. In my teens. And it was not easy. You know, when you come into leadership, for example, people will, tell, people will not tell you about mistakes. People just assume that you are Mr. Perfect, wrong. But mistakes are part of life. Hallelujah. But what is key is that when you make a mistake, what happens? You acknowledge it, dust yourself up, correct it, and you move on. So we find a society where everybody wants you to be Mr. Perfect. And so when there is any out of mistake, you are castigated. You are killed. You are nailed. You know, so for the second scenario that I painted, you are given a leadership position and you don't have the capacity or you feel you don't have the requisite experience to run, instead of it killing you, you develop a mindset that says, I will not let this thing die in my hands. I will take it to an enviable height. I will push it forward. So you see, the same situation, but two different attitudes. So, I strongly believe that your attitude is your life. I remember joining the company sometime, and um, they sat us down, and they were training us. And the MD, everybody spoke fantastically well, and the MD said something that transformed my life. He told us to write certain words down, success you know, prosperity, different types of words. And he told us to look for the letter of that word and put a figure to it. So if it's letter A, you put one. If it's letter B, you put two. And we did all those arrangements. None of the words equated to 100. 
At the end of the day, he told us to write attitude, and we did wrote attitude. And he told us to put A, number one, T, put the number. That's how we put all the numbers, and he told us to calculate it. And we calculated, and it amounted to what? 100, 100%. And he told us, he said, listen, you are coming into this company. Stuff has been written on your JD, your job description. But you will be given other work to do. How you handle those tasks will determine how long you will go. It's the same thing that applies in the kingdom. Your attitude is what determines how far you go as a believer. And where do you get your attitude from? Your attitude is gotten from your philosophy, from your mindset. And I did mention on Sunday that the philosophy of the kingdom is hinged on the philosophy of Christ. If you use a different philosophy, you are going to get it all wrong. You're going to get it wrong. But if you follow the philosophy of Jesus, you will get it right. Listen, I've been a Christian for a long time, by the grace of God, with all due respect. And there were areas that I struggled. I struggled, you know, we find pastors who may not be open enough to tell you truth. But... I have struggled in some areas, I've been issued. And I started wondering, why am I struggling in this area? Why, why is this not gelling up and all of that? Until, until God brought me to the concept of the kingdom and gave me, put my attention to be focused on Jesus. You know, when we talk about works, we talk about grace, the truth of the matter is that sometimes you can preach grace, but you are still living within the ambit of works. <laughs> That's the truth. You preach grace and you, you, yeah, you are in the dispensation of grace, but somehow, somehow, you are still living within the ambit of works. And it's not by what is not available, it's by your attitude. Your attitude to kingdom business, your attitude to life, your attitude to everything that matters. Let me read somewhere. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Today I'm going to show you the philosophies of Christ are plenty. But I'll just read out a few of them by the grace of God. I want you to go home. I always say this. Go and study the scriptures. Go and study the lifestyle of Jesus. If you study the lifestyle of Jesus... It will influence your attitude by affecting your philosophy, your mindset. So, God put all things under Christ's feet. What does that mean? That is authority. It means that everything in this whole world is under the authority of Christ. Praise God. This is powerful. Look at what he says. And gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. Now, what he's saying God put all things under Christ, and the church is the body of Christ, is part of Christ. Can you give me, let me explain this deeper. Give me KJV. KJV nice. And have put all things under his feet, authority, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Okay. Now, the word church is translated ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is a group of people that are representing the king. So what they do is to take instruction from the king and cascade the instruction to the subjects. It's from the Greek word, Ecclesia. So it's actually, you know, what um, um, Pluto, Aristotle, and all the Greek philosophers founded. Because what they had to do was to flip the concept of the kingdom and they formed what we call democrata, what we know as today as democracy. So the Greeks were fantastic philosophers, they were fantastic thinkers. In short, most of the inventions in the world today in terms of thinking came from the Greeks. But they had a problem, they were not good implementers. So when you know that the Greek empire was so powerful, talk about Macedonian and all the rest, and what happened when the Roman Empire came on board, the Roman Empire, they were vicious, they were fantastic implementers. So what they did when they invaded the Greeks, they did not destroy their works. They took all their works in terms of their thoughts and their thinking and implemented them. So the Greeks Found, found democracy, but it was the Romans that implemented democracy. So the word ecclesia is actually not a religious word, it's actually an idea that came from some dead men, no longer alive. So the word ecclesia is talking about the church, that's the word that is used there. So the church are the representatives of Christ, so their job is to understand the thinking of the king, and cascade that thinking to the subjects. So the church is actually the people that are supposed to be teaching the world how to live. Because the church understands the thinking of the king. Who is the king? Jesus the Christ. So we, we, we get instruction from the king. We absorb all the nuances of the king into our lives, then we go and teach the world. Have you seen the Bible where the Bible talks about the church would teach principalities and powers? The what? The manifold wisdom of God. So we are supposed to be teaching principalities and powers. In other words, everything that Jesus Christ did while on earth, he said, occupy till I come. We are supposed to carry the same work here. We are not supposed to be consumed with the issues of life. The Bible says when they say there is a casting down, we shall say there is a lifting up. When the economy of the world is crazy, it's crumbling. It's not crumbling on us, but we are heads above what is happening under. It's like the eagle. Have you thought of it? that every beautiful thing is what has been used to describe you in the scripture. Everything fantastic. For example, the eagle, when it's raining, or one of the things that the eagle does so well is to, is to mount up wings and go and stay on top of the mountain. The eagle likes, they like to live you know, on top of the mountain. And so they go on top of the mountain while other birds are struggling with the affliction of the atmosphere. The eagle is on top there looking at them. 
That's what the Bible has used to describe you. So you need to change the way you think. That's what Jesus told them. So if people are afflicted because of what is happening in the environment, you are not part of that equation. But you see, you believe you are part of that equation. That is why Christians are going through stuff. Christians are struggling. Christians are depressed. They, they, can't, they can't sort themselves out. Fine, it's, it's good if for adventure there are issues of life that may want to make you depressed. But the truth is we have an advantage. What's the advantage? We have the Holy Spirit. For example, in this morning, you know, we're hearing, you know, Isaiah chapter 61. I like that scripture. Let's read Isaiah chapter 61. Give me Isaiah chapter 61. I want to show you something there, which was open to us this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. Isaiah 61. Now he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this is the Old Testament style. In the New Testament, if I'm to read this scripture, I'm going to say, the spirit of the Lord is inside of me. Praise God. Because he has anointed me, commissioned me to bring good news to what? To the humble and afflicted. Now, how can you bring good news when you are the one that is afflicted? You can't just oppose that. To bring good news to God, he has sent me to bind up the wounded, the brokenhearted. A lot of us are brokenhearted. Different things, no money, no boyfriend, no girlfriend. Different stuff, economy is bad, people are talking ill about you, gossip here and there, barbiting here and there, depression here and there. But the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is inside of you to heal all of those things. Now, if you understand that you have this philosophy, then you will think of how to sort out yourself by approaching the throne room. The Bible says we should come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Christians don't come boldly because they don't have the philosophy to come boldly. So when we have an issue, what happens? We behave like the way the world will naturally do. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your request be what? Be made known unto God. The word be careful for nothing is also be anxious. Do not worry for anything. But you see, that is the standard of the world. The standard of the world is that when there is an issue, they worry. They worry. You see, it has now become a local standee, a normal. When you don't worry, people feel that you are not in charge of the situation. That is not true. The world worries. But in the kingdom of God, we don't worry. What is the worst that can happen, for example? What's the worst that can happen? I'm trying to let you know, let the philosophy, there's a certain standard that the world wants you to think. Let the philosophy of the world not affect your conduct. Let the philosophy of Christ be the one to propel you while you live your life. Praise God. Am I speaking Greek? I'm speaking English. So you see that the church, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. So you see that the church... Is actually the head, the body. Jesus is our head, and Ecclesia, the body, is the church. Listen, we all know that the major part of your body 
is your head. If you lose your arm, you can still move. If you lose your leg, you can still move. Every part is important, don't get me wrong. But if they cut off your head, what happens? You cannot move. Your body will only move for a few seconds and it will be gone. People have heart attack and they still live. Are you aware of that? On time, if they, if they get to their issues on time, the heart has stopped, fail, has stopped working, it has failed. And so there is immediate intervention. The heart can still be resuscitated. But my brother, hey, the greatest strategy after death, when you die with your potential in the grave, the second strategy on earth while you are still living is when you have a corrupt philosophy. A corrupt philosophy is dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. But you see, that is what Jesus has come to deliver us from. And so it is good that we follow the scripts the way it is. You are bought with a price. Somebody owns you now. Therefore, you take instruction from that man. No longer from the old supervisor. How can you leave your, your, the, the department you wear reporting to someone who determines your appraisal and say, I will not promote you this year. No problem. And you leave that department and you go to another one and your, your profiling is mapped to a different supervisor. Does the old one have the power to control whether you are promoted or not? No, sir. It is the new one that says, come on, I've seen people who left They've been in a, in a, in a great, on a grave for a long time, and, and they've, 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 they've been in a, in a, with a supervisor for months or years, and two months, and they didn't move forward. Two months of moving to the next guy, they moved up because philosophy changed. Even, if, even, if though, even though this guy has been with me for two months, he's good to go. He's my guy. Let him go. He has done well. You have left the kingdom of darkness. Colossians, we saw Colossians chapter 1, told us that. You have left the kingdom of darkness. Listen, God cannot punish you. God does not punish. Less punishing his own child. Who told you that? Some of you believe that the reason why you have sickness is because God is punishing you for something you did that initial. That is wrong. God cannot punish you with sickness. There is no sickness that is part of God. If Jesus is our head, we are his body, it means that there is connection. So where is the sickness coming from? Why will you believe that the reason you are sick is because of the issues that happened to you in the past? And some of you believe that. And so you are down. You are down. You are down. Tell your neighbor, I can't be down. <laughs> up, up, up I go. So people believe all kinds of stuff. And so the best way for you to get out of this abnormal type of thinking is to just oppose it with the word of God. When the Bible says in the beginning of the world and the world was God and the world was you know, made flesh and all of that, John chapter 1, it's talking about God's express idea, the word. How do you know somebody's philosophy when the person talks? When the person behaves? When the person conducts himself in a certain manner? Some of you will say, I don't thank God I don't talk. 
But the way you behave, I've already exposed the type of philosophy that you believe. Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. Give me Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary waste. Give me King James. I like the way King James factored this thing. This is amplified. Fantastic. Therefore, since we, have, since we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Did you see that word? Lay aside. Listen, you are the one to lay aside. What is the weight that is worrying you now? You are, to, you are the one to put it aside. Some of you are expecting a wonderful miracle to happen. That's the problem. It's a wrong ideology. It's a wrong philosophy. He said, lay aside every weight. What is that weight? And he said, and every sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, a man that is running. We all know one of the guys that blasted the, the, the race before he retired was Usain Bolt. When Usain Bolt is running, does he look at the left? Does he look at the right? If somebody is calling him, Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt, wait! Will he answer that person? He will not. Even if there is something on the track, that is not his work. His work is to focus on the prize. Little wonder, Paul was talking in Philippians. He said, I press towards the mark. So we are running a race, children of God. We are running a race. Don't you understand it? There will be distractions. They are calling me here. They are disturbing me here. They are gossiping. They are doing this. They are doing this. I won't do it again. Blah, blah, blah. What is it? Ah, the Bible says, leave those things and focus on the race. Look unto Jesus. He's the author. We'll get to that place. Despise the shame. What is the shame? You know, what I've discovered very well in church, children of God, is that we like our personality too much. There's a lot of personality syndrome. Jesus never boasted about his personality. Instead, he introduced his identity. Hallelujah. He introduced his identity to the world. When you begin to say, do you know who I am? My brother, your philosophy is corrupted. People who say, do you know who I am? Who are you? Jesus never did that. The people who knew Jesus, that were shouting, have you come to destroy before our time? They dobale. They naturally gave, gave, gave up the hands up. Come on. Introduce your identity to let them know that you are a demon caster, that you heal the sick, that you, anybody that is depressed, oppressed, or whatever, press, all depressed, press. Bring the person to me and we heal them. Anybody that cannot sleep because of witches pressing, pressing, bring the person to me. That is my job. Introduce yourself like that. Don't introduce yourself to say, do you know who I am? How much do you have? Is it money that you are using to boast? How much do you have? I'm not sure the richest man in the world even does that. So when you say, do you know who I am? He said, despite the shame and sat down at the right hand 
of God. So Jesus was a humble chap. He was a humble man. He was full of humility. He left his glory, his splendor in heaven, and he came down to earth. He died for your sin. Hallelujah. And today he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Give me verse Verse 2, thank you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who do we look up to? Jesus. Is he your pastor? No. I am only here to serve as a shepherd, to guide you correctly. Because my brother, God will ask me how far. How far? If I direct you to myself, I am doing that at my own peril. Anybody who does that is doing that at his own peril. Have solemn spirit. Making the whole world and all the people to love him because he wants to topple the king. I cannot topple Jesus. How many years am I going to live as a mortal, as a human being? As a human being. Every man is programmed to live for a period of time. If Christ tarries, even when Jesus comes, this your mortal bodies is going to be removed. Hallelujah. I need to deal with that word. I will deal with that before I, before I close on this message. He said, he said, he said look unto Jesus, the other and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus removed his personality. Some of you are so particular about your personality. You can't preach the gospel. You can't do visitation in church. You can't call that brother, that sister. You can't do it. The day I called her, she just banged the phone on me. Ministry requires that you strip off your personality. If Jesus left heaven, he left his glory in heaven and came to earth and died for your sin, who are you not to do ministry? And you say, I don't have time. You don't have time for what? What don't you have time for? What don't you have time for? It is what you make time for that you have time for. Running after you. These are good. But if, it's, if it contradicts the tenets, the precepts that have been laid down for you as a believer, you will, you will manifest a wrong attitude. For example, let me be honest with you. The money that you are making for a guy who is not part of the kingdom, <laughs> I heard the story of a guy who was a major contractor to one of the governors in this state. I will mention the state. You know, so he had a lot of money. The governor gave him a lot of deeds and contracts. And he was telling some of his cronies, his friends, he said, wow, I have money now. I am going to buy four cars, four brand new cars. And they asked him, what are you doing with the brand new cars? He said, man, I'm going to shake the town. All those ladies are going to finish them up. He said, the reason he wants to buy four cars is because he wants to carry babes. It's like that guy in the Bible that said, oh, my soul, eat and drink. You have a lot of money, a lot of food in the barns now. Enjoy yourself. And God said, your soul is required tonight. And he died. The reason why you have money is not for you to lavish it on your flesh. It's for you to invest it in the kingdom. You are a kingdom man. So whatever you need to do, Whatever resource or resources that you have, you are supposed to tender it to the master. Jesus is Lord. Listen, people preach about purpose, purpose this. Do you know that sometimes people have misconstrued that message? Say, my purpose is not to preach. My purpose is not to, my purpose is business. I'm a businessman. So even on Sunday, you are pursuing deal. 
Because your purpose is to do business and make money. The money self, where? Money will not see. You, you will not see. What, 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 so? Listen, we have only one purpose. And that purpose I've showed you in Ephesians chapter 1. Read it down. That purpose is to do the will of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. When you talk about expression of purpose, it is different from purpose. Listen, Peter gave Jesus his boots. What are you giving Jesus to do ministry? What is it you are giving him? If you're not giving him anything, my brother, it's a corrupt philosophy that you have. Jesus said, Peter, give me your boats. And Peter gave him the boat. He stayed inside the boat and he ministered to the people. My brother, what are you putting on the table? What are you putting on the table for the gospel to grow? The gospel must grow. Are you a preacher of the gospel? Are you a teacher? Are you a singer? Are you a businessman? Your own is to bring the money. We are all part and part. You see, the body, you know, the body parts is plenty. Some are legs, some are hands, some are different parts. What part are you? You are supposed to bring your beat to the table. But you see, there is a, there is a very bad message that has made the mindset and philosophy of church people to be so bad. Let me give you, give you this mindset. They believe that God is a supermarket. How they pay you? Hey, God, how they pay me today? God will heal the head. You go back to your worldly lifestyle. Ah, I am broke. God, I am broke. Uh, I need money. Take. Uh, you go back. It's a supermarket. Anything you need from God, you come. So you hear things like revival, revival, revival. Three days, blah, blah, blah. If you need this, you need this. So the whole place will be filled up. They will come and collect. After collecting, what happens? They will go back to their old lifestyle. Jesus saw that man that was healed by the, 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 the ship rank at the pool. He said, listen, young man, the fact that you are healed does not give you the license to live the way you like. He said, go and live well so that a worse sin will not come to you. You know, if you are like that. So church building programs, as it were, is where you go collect and run back. Where you go collect and run back. You are not thinking of what to do to bring the people. What are you doing for the kingdom? What is the expression of your purpose? Jesus is Lord. Praise God. I'll give you a few. My time is running out. Let's look at the philosophy of Jesus. Number one, Jesus Christ was a lover of God. He loved God so much. He talked about God. He said, without God, I am nothing. But with God, I am everything. He talked about love. If you read John chapter 14, verse 15, and read John 13, 34, he talked so much about love. So, you need to love God. If you love God, what happens? You will do his commandments. A kingdom man is a lover of God. Are you a lover of God? If you love God, you will look for the things that he is interested in. Secondly, Jesus Christ was a lover of men. 
The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The word world is translated from the Greek word cosmos. Write that word down if you write it. Cosmos. What does cosmos mean? Cosmos is K-O-S-M-O-S. Although English has modified it to be C-O-S-M-O-S. Cosmos means the universe, the planet, and the elements inside. That's the context. If God so loved the world and Jesus loves the world, why do you hate the world? This dangerous thinking. Why do you hate the world? God created the world. Now, there are two types of world. Now, listen. Cosmos means the universe and the system, I mean, universe and the planet and everything, including you. So God so loves you that he died for you. That's Jesus. Now, there is another type of world. When the Satan was telling Jesus, I will give you the kingdom of the world, there is a system that is corrupt. There is a system of corruption, okay, that is operating in the world, which is also it's opposite to the kingdom of God. Now, we have the earth, the, the terrestrial kingdom, and there are two systems working in this kingdom. The kingdom of God, which I've been preaching, and the kingdom of the world, which Satan rules. Corruption, you know, iniquity, sins, and all of that. So, when 1 John 2.15 was talking, he said, do not love the world and the things in the world. He was talking about this type of world. But the world that is talked about in John 3.16 is talking about the elements and you involved. Is somebody with me this morning? So there is a system of the world that the Satan and his cause, his agents, are controlling. It's a corrupt system. It's a corrupt philosophy. So we are not part of that arrangement. We are part of the arrangement of Jesus. Like Colossians said, he said, he's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness where you have the corrupt world. There is a certain way they think in that world. For example, they think if you a man married man, oh, that's good. That's the way they think. Then there's a certain way, oh, if you have children, people cohabit. The institution of marriage has seems to be, you know, thrown into the dustbin. Do you understand that? The kingdom gives us a precept of how we should live our lives based on the natural propensity, for example, that God has put in place. Hallelujah. So if God so loved the world, you have no right to hate the world. So when you drive your Jeep, eh, don't look down on the area boy on the street. No, God loves him. So when you drive your Jeep, don't look down on the people who are begging on the street. God loves him, loves them too. Don't look down on people who cannot sort out their lives. The reason why you are in the position where you are is because you have acknowledged the love and therefore your life is better in terms of, you know, what God wants you to do. But the truth is this. If Jesus loves them, you are supposed to love them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus did good to all men. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, that he went about doing good. So, 
Your philosophy is how do I, listen, how do I, how do I do good to these people? I was a friend of mine, a man of God. You know, I was listening to him and I went to see him one time. We were talking. Wow, he said something that blew my mind. He said, as a pastor, when I look at my members that come to me, I'm thinking of how to bless them. I'm not thinking of what to get from them. I want to be the one to bless them. So, whoa, this is fantastic. Fantastic thinking. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. He was the one going about. Do you realize that Jesus, nobody came to see Jesus in terms of his house getting food. Yeah, Nicodemus came in the night to, to but he came for it. No, he didn't come for welfare. Nicodemus came to ask him questions. So, oh boy, this is the way they do. Ah. Nobody can do it except God. He, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest ruling body in Israel. He understood that Jesus Christ was not an ordinary guy. But in terms of welfare, it was Jesus that went out looking for those who were sick, looking for those who were poor, looking for those who were brokenhearted. He was the one that went out. This thing has blown, it has changed my thinking. So when I'm on the streets in my area, I don't see myself as higher than the guy is there. So I'm saying, oh, how do I give these people Jesus? How do I analyze the glory that God has brought to them? How do I give them Jesus? So you drive your Jeep, you open your gate, open your gate, oh, sorry, the gatekeeper is opening the gate. You say, open up quick now, open up quick. You drive in and you park and you sit down, you eat salad, you enjoy yourself. Your children, they are doing good. All those are nice. But the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with one with power. He was the one going, looking for people to give goodness to. Come on, am I puncturing somebody's thinking this morning? But you, you are cool. You are cool. It's good to be cool. Jesus was the one going out, looking for people. My God, he reminded me of our bishop that went out and was looking for the dead man. Who is anybody dead in this house? After this message, go out on the street and start asking, anybody sick here? I'm the one that heals the sick by the power of Jesus. Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Not sitting down and you are expecting them to come. This philosophy is strange, right? The church is quiet. It's strange. Why will you want to go into politics and steal money? Why? Why? Why will you want to steal money? I was hearing the other day, I heard a certain guy, he was, they were giving a, a, a job to do. He said he was surprised that even among churchgoers and Christians, they were fighting among themselves because they wanted to steal money. They wanted to steal money. The philosophy of the world. Where are you even taking the money to? Where are you taking it to? What do you want to do with the money? Nobody say you want to, well, let me, let me not go that. But why would somebody want to steal money? Nigeria is bad, but our own space, we are not even impacting the world with it. Now let me deal with this matter. I want to deal with it very well. As Christians, we have power over unclean spirits. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. 
Jesus said, come. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Listen to me, child of God. You are the one who is supposed to be the one running the kingdom of darkness rugged. Not the kingdom of darkness running you rugged. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. Christians are not people who run from principalities and powers. We are those that teach them the manifold wisdom of God. All these village people thing. I think I've said that so many times. It's wrong. Which philosophy is that? I just showed you last week about superstition, fear, and suspicion, and all of those things. Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits. So you have power over unclean spirits. When you see them manifesting, what do you do? You cast them out. You cast them out. The Bible says, your enemy is not your neighbor. Your duty is to love your neighbor, not to tag your enemy as your neighbor as enemy. Your duty is to love your enemy. The Bible says, the devil, your adversary. He said, the devil is your adversary. Adversary means your enemy. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. But he said, resist him. What does it mean to resist the devil? Listen, to resist the devil is not to pray. Ah, I wish I have time to deal with this matter. To resist the devil. Paul was talking. He said, least Satan should have an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. What are the devices? The devil uses devices to slow down Christians. Because he knows that he cannot stand them one-on-one -on -one because he's darkness, we are light. So he uses devices to come. For example, I'll give you number one device. The devil uses offense. The devil uses hurt. So when you are offended, you, are, you have hurt in your heart because of what your brother or your sister has done, it leads to unforgiveness. And from unforgiveness, it degenerates into other things. So you cannot love anymore. You cannot pray for your brother anymore. You cannot do stuff and all of that. The kingdom business you are supposed to do, you cannot do it anymore. And so you are put in a state of what I call perpetual standstill. Those are the devices. You resist him. How did Jesus resist the devil? He said, man shall not live by bread alone. Oh, you shall not bow down. It is written. He was giving him scriptures. He was giving him scriptures. Pa, pa, pa. When you fall to temptation, listen to this. Listen, when you fall to temptation and you go on three days dry fasting to kill your neighbor because you have classified or christened your neighbor as an enemy, that is not resist. You have not done any job at all. You fall to temptation. Then your enemy, you have christened him or her. Sorry, your neighbor, you have christened him or her as your enemy. Then you are going for do three days dry. How can you do three days dry? Because you want to tackle your neighbor. Because your neighbor is your enemy. Whereas you have been falling to the temptation of unforgiveness, of hurt. All the time, you don't fall, tire. Then you come to church. Those are the type of stuff we want to hear. 
But that is not the philosophy of Christ. The philosophy of Christ is that you love your neighbor regardless of. Jesus Christ humbled himself so well that he came from heaven. Another philosophy, humility, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, James chapter 4 verse 6. What of unity? John chapter 17 verse 21, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. To seek the kingdom. John chapter, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. To bring all men to the kingdom. I talked last week that Jesus never condemned anybody. Are you aware of that? Let us stop persecuting people for what they did yesterday. It is time for us to say, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Are you aware that Jesus never magnified the issues that people had? We are too used to celebrating people's errors. Why? Why do we celebrate people's errors? Why can't we celebrate their successes? Why can't we celebrate the potentials that they have? If somebody make one error, we will blow it open. That is the function of Twitter, Facebook, and all of that. We have a conduct. Listen to me. The Bible says if a man is overtaken in a fault, okay? He said those of you who are spiritual should help revive such a one. And you should be careful so that you yourself, you don't go fall for the same thing. Oh. Do you understand that? It is your duty to help me if I've made a mistake. It is your duty for me to help you. I want to know what your problem is. I want to pray. I want to pray and say, oh my God. I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray for Akwewe. I say in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, God drops a sword in my heart. And I minister to him. How many of you here have come to me, for example? This is, this is, this is blue. I'm giving you blue now. I've come to me to say, Pastor, I was praying for you. And God said I should give you a word. Because we don't think like that. We don't think like that, Pastor Oye. We don't. How do we think? Let me see if there's something, Pastor, we saw today that I can be angry with. You are ready. It's confrontation. It's fight. Kilo day. That is the mentality of the world. In the mentality of the church, it is love. Even if I do something wrong, you say, Pastor, please, can I see you, sir? And we talk about it. Tell it not in God. Tell it not in the streets of Ascalon and everywhere. How the mighty falling and the weapons of war perish. No, that's not the mentality of the, of, of, of the kingdom. The mentality of the kingdom. Let's celebrate one another. If you are happy, I'm happy. If you are sad, I'm sad as well. Hallelujah. Praise God. The mentality of the kingdom. Can you rise up on your feet this morning? Let's celebrate each other. If anyone is not getting it right, what do we do? Do you realize in an army, eh, if somebody is beaten and about to die, one of the soldiers is about to die, what happens? They don't leave him. They will go back and what? Pull the person. For example, there are folks who don't come to church. Not that they, are not, they don't want to come to church, but the devil is bombarding them. Bombarding them. Bombarding them with wrong stuff in their mind. There are those who are already backsliding. You know it. But what do you do? You, you are leaving those people behind. You are leaving them behind. Instead, some of you are busy gossiping about them, talking about them. No, that's not the spirit. How many of you have taken your phone? Let me call this person. He's belong. Where does this person stay? Let me go and look for him. And you give the excuse, this is Lagos. I'm busy. Busy doing what? Hustling money. Hustling fine. Everybody is busy. 
But it is what you create time for that you make time for. Hallelujah. We are a church. And God will ask you all the things and all the deposits that he placed in you. The philosophies are plenty. But God will give us grace. We will break this thing down some other time. Hallelujah. We need to change the way we think. And think like Jesus. Let's think like Jesus. Jesus had a mindset. What mindset are you working with? If the mindset does not just oppose to the mindset of Jesus, there is a problem. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying all day. There is a problem. Your mindset must be the mindset of Jesus. Lift up your hands today. Praise God. Lift up your hand today. One of the mindset that Jesus had was the mindset of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said something. He said, I will send you the comforter and the comforter will teach you all things. Listen, you have no you have no right to be oppressed. You have no right to be running helter-skelter for anything because we have the Holy Spirit who has given us the ability for us to express the mind of God. Praise God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After the Holy Ghost come upon you. To do what? To be witnesses. The power of the Holy Ghost is not for you to be running around not knowing what to do. It's for you to do ministry. What is ministry? You know, bind, you, you, you are taking care of those whose hearts have been broken. You are taking care of those who need welfare. You are taking care of those who need the gospel. You are taking care of those who need Jesus. It's not for you to be on the other side. The philosophy of the kingdom of God is the philosophy of Jesus. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, log on to our website at www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.